Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. This computer. Hooray for this computer. Uh, hey, and welcome okay, computer. to... Yay, computer. Uh, hey, and welcome to another episode of Funny Books and Firewater. I have officially decided that I'm going to stop trying to name... Uh, which episode I'm doing because I never remember, and we're recording this out of order anyway, and I, I figured out that if I don't tell you what order we're recording them in, then we can just put them out in whatever order we want. But the reason why we're doing this out of order originally is because uh, the book we needed did not arrive to everyone who needs to read it. But I might cut all that out, and it might not matter anyway. Or it might be there. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but we this shall week, see. We shall see. Uh, this week we are doing uh, Secret Path. Uh, which is illustrated by Jeff Lemire, my comic book crush, um, and written, well, it's, it's connected to an album written by Gord Dowdy, um, Downey, D-O- Downey, D-O-W-N-I-E, who yeah. was explained to me as the Canadian Bono. I don't know if that helps or hurts or whatever. Um, Adam actually tried to listen to the album. Uh, I listened to it. Okay. Yeah, I, I couldn't get past the singing. The so voice. it's funny, though, because he's very, it's very indie. Okay. His, the um, his band is called um, the uh, God. I can't now. I I'm like it's killing me. Hold on. I'm on his. Web, I'm on the website because he his band. When you listen, when you hear what his band name is, you're like, oh yeah. Oh, you're it's, an indie rocker. Yeah. Oh yeah, love it. But um, Gord, it was like uh, hippie or something like that. I, oh, just hippie. Yeah. No, but okay. it was it wasn't just hippie. It was like trippy hippie or something like that. I'll have to look it up. But um, his voice is if you like indie rock. The tragically um, hip. That's oh, it. he's with the tragically hip. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. That so, that's actually a band I know. Of course it is. Uh huh. Whatever. And then I guess you were listening to it before we were. I see how. <laughs> no, honestly, here, here's the sad thing. Okay, so I have a very good friend who's Canadian. Uh, Brent Todd has met. Um, I went to school yeah, with. We don't hold it against him. I, I mean, I actually like Canadians. Um, anyway, he dated a girl who was really, really proud of the fact that she had sex with the bass player for the Tragically Hip. And I was like, that's the most Canadian thing I've ever fucking heard. Um, even coming from a guy who uh, actually worked for the Calgary Flames. So, you know. Anyway, that, that's um, my understanding of, of the, the Tragically Hip. Yeah, so he, that's his band. And um, his voice, if you like indie rock, if you listen to a lot of stuff that's on like All, thing, all Songs Considered on NPR, <laughs> yeah. honestly, you, would, you could get through this pretty easily. It's definitely dark. It has a very um, old school death cab kind of feel to it. Um, I think Ben Gibbard's voice is a little bit better, but um, Gord is also not uh, living anymore. Yes. In fact, he died shortly after this album came out yeah. or before, just before the album came out somewhere right around when the album came out. He, he died after, but mm-hmm. the, um, the video that the, the comic book spurred the like music video that they did on Canada's, Canada's version of PBS, basically. And it got nominated for their version of a Golden Globe. I forget what it's called. Uh, um, and he won. They won. Um, he won two awards posthumously okay. for it. 
So if you like indie rock music, if you get into that kind of emo, raspy, really melancholy kind of thing, it's an easy, um, it's, an, it's, it's, not a, it's not difficult to get through. But if you don't like that kind of music, I can see why Adam was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I like some of it, but just, I don't know, like, it wasn't like the, the, mu- the, the music itself is really good, but then he starts singing and I tried, I really tried. Cause I like, <laughs> if you go on the website, they actually do like almost like a motion comic of it where they're kind of showing the panels animated. Yep. And I was like, yes, this is so cool. And I, no, I can't. So oh. you, you might like it though. Like, like, like I said, there's, if you're into that, you're going to love it. So yeah. Yeah. If you like that kind of music, you'll like it. Yeah. Uh, have you guys heard of the Dead South? Oh, I love the Dead South. No. Yeah, they're Canadian hillbillies. Yeah, like it, they are like the most southern southern. I used one of their songs on a sound design show because they sound really like old school southern. And then I found out, um, oh yeah, there's they have a great song called "In Hell I'll Be Good Company." That's, uh, yeah, that's the song I'm thinking it's of. Fantastic. But like they sound really old school. But yeah, then I found out, yeah, they're so south. They're Canadian. So. They play bluegrass music. I think my favorite track by them is Banjo Odyssey. I don't know if I know that one. Is that kind of like listen to it? It's about um, not knowing who your cousin's father is or yours, but she needs some loving anyways. Uh, Okay. Um, With that being said, that's right. We're just gonna leave that there. uh, wearing his lovely Real Salt Lake jersey, drinking a Blundeberg, and uh, ready to go cheer on uh, Real, uh, we have Mr. Todd. Hey, it's Todd. I'm here getting ready to be in transit to go to the game. So here we are. Um, I'm here in Salt Lake, of course, and you'll find me on this show. Hey. Also, I'm pulling a What About Bob, and I'm taking sailing lessons. Sailing! I'm sailing! I'm sailing. Baby steps. Baby, baby steps step in the office. Baby steps. Baby step. So, Adam, you will appreciate this. When I was uh, in high school, I was on the water polo team. And, you know, me, never was an obnoxious individual. Not even in no, high school. No, never. Never. Uh, never annoying. Oh, no. So I, during the entire workout, my coach just decided that he was just going to, like, just give us the worst workout in the world. And me being the obnoxious little bastard that I was, I just kept chanting, I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. And I just kept doing that through the entire workout to the point in time where, like, it had been two hours. He had let the rest of the team go, but kept me there for another half hour trying to wear me out. And me, being the stubborn little son of a bitch that I am, just kept saying, <laughs> I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. I can't believe you made it to this age. I, I know, I it's just, incredible, I right? I can't believe someone hasn't smothered <laughs> you at some point when you were younger. I mean, well, it's all the women that I've dated, I'm next, surprised that too. Well, you stood next to me, and yeah. he wasn't nearly so bad. That's true. Todd balances me out. He makes me look hey, like t- a sick. That's filter. why I hang out with him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like how, you know, really pretty girls or moderately pretty girls hang out with ugly girls to make themselves look better. I hang out with Todd duff? to make... Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Todd is my personality duff. He makes me look like not quite the asshole. I know. Oh, that's, that's why I'm always standing next to you. Okay, I got it. Oh, yeah, see? Here's one step <laughs> above not me. about the time he came into my work. Oh, my gosh. You're so great. Yeah. <laughs> They were terrified of Todd. Like, they think Todd is scary as shit. It's hilarious. Well, okay, they still think you're scary as shit. And, like, they're looking at me going, like, who the fuck is that guy with Todd? And I was like, I was dying laughing. I was like, holy shit. Like, when did we get old enough that people were not only afraid of us, but almost probably had respect for us? It's just wrong. Very, very wrong. 
I look um, at that and I'm like, such a sham. Yeah. Here we go. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of such a sham, we have Adam. You're welcome, Why not? future Brian. <laughs> you bitch. I know. I am the most genuine person you know, both on and off. I know. Air. That's the problem. I think maybe that's part of the joke because I'm like, Lena will give me shit. Adam will give me shit. I'm not going to win this one. The segue is not going to work. Just abandon all hope and go with Adam. See, that made me think of the sham wow, which made me think of the jizzle from the whitest kids you know. So go, <laughs> go YouTube the jizzle, kids. YouTube no, don't. Don't. You can do it on YouTube. Although, it was really funny. Uh, back when I was like trying to get all my mental health under control, Brian, you sent me the video on YouTube of the dick slap video that was going around forever. Yes. And it was it was uh, Whitney Houston getting slapped. In the, well, it wasn't yeah. her. It was doing um i will yeah. always love you and then all of on a youtube up, and i and it's a, they cut it to a clip of a porn of a guy slapping a girl in the face with her dick and they have this slap sound effect which ironically enough is the sound effect i use on my phone when i have to clock in for work so that's the uh, impression i have just for a clock in for work the sound of a dick slap welcome to corporate america what was really funny about that was that the the link you sent me was uncensored for like a week because I think yeah. I was the only one watching it. And then uh, now they're all censored. But I was like, when you said that to me, I was like, oh, shit, there's dicks on YouTube. <laughs> so, dicks on YouTube is coming to Warp Tour next year, by the way. They are, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, guys, what's up? I'm Adam. I uh, live in Salt Lake. I guess I'll eventually be doing film reviews again. I mean, theaters are opening up. I'm not really too eager to go back into them. Uh, our friend Rebecca went and saw New Mutants. And I guess there was like eight people in the whole theater. So that was... a pretty good experience but mm-hmm. i've heard with tenant that it's not nearly as a uh, this this dates the podcast recording by the way uh tenant's not nearly as uh sparse so i'll probably just wait for um for streaming oh we get to see mulan this week that's kind of fun Ooh. so well if you pay 30 bucks for it but uh yeah just up here uh getting used to my new job i can finally log in so that's kind of fun so i can actually do things now Nice. Cool. Yeah, that's me. And, okay, so if that tapestry is up behind you, Lena, does that mean you have moved? No, no. I This is, like, always the last thing I take down. Oh. Because um, it's an easy fold, pack, and go. Gotcha. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm Elena. I am the, I'm an event manager out of the um, Connecticut, New York area for the By next way of days. Denver. Yeah. And now, and then I will be based out of Denver, Colorado. Um very very soon so Hooray! <laughs> now i have a reason to go to denver yes and i live in a very cool neighborhood like i signed my lease for my place and um i live in a very i mean i've told brian this already i live i'm going to live in a very hipster neighborhood because it's the old neighborhood i used to live in in denver so which sounds cool i'll be honest as much as i give you shit for it it does sound very cool it's wonderful. And it means that I don't need to, like, the neighborhood I'm in, I don't really need a car. My yoga studio is not that far. Even their outdoor space is only, like, two miles away. So I can hop a really annoying scooter that they have all over Denver. <laughs> and and <laughs> go to big cities. Yes, oh, they are. God, they're everywhere. But right now, I'm not driving my car out, so... I'm trying to sell the damn thing, so we'll see if I am successful. Otherwise, Tori and her best friend, Evan, are going to be driving my my uh, Hans out to, Your <laughs> out Hans. to He's a Jetta, so it's, you know, Hans. German. <laughs> yeah, Hans. Hans. I, I, I thought it was a, a reference so. to... Um, 
Frozen, and now I'm horrified that I know that reference, but that's Yes, that is not... First off, if I was going to go with that, I would have said Mighty Ducks. Not... Mm. There's a Hans and Mighty Ducks? Yeah, in in D2. D2 or D3. Because the original original actor from the first Mighty Ducks, he died. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. So that's why they had to replace him. We've discussed a lot of death on the show already today. I know. It's setting the stage. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But, Brian, all I got to say about Frozen is, dude, you just got to let it go. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, moving current on. Brian, current Brian, future current, Brian. Current Brian, future Brian. Hi, I'm Brian. Um, I do things. Uh, and that's how it goes. Uh, so, we, uh, this week, uh, yeah, Secret Path, like we talked about before. Um, it's a, based on, um, it's an album. I think it's based on a true story, if I remember correctly, uh, about mm-hmm. a young man who is in school in a indigenous school. I think, I mean, it, here they used to call them Indian schools. If you're in Utah, there's an old one on the way up towards... Uh, Logan that I used to drive past all the time on my way up there, which is why there's an they eye in the mountain. They dismantled that very well. Have they? They have. Is the eye still there? Good. I'm not even sure if the eye is still there. Because last time I went up there, I thought the eye was still there. But um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so it's about a, a kid who is far away from his home and doesn't realize how far away he is, tries to make it home, thinks that he has found a, a, a way to get there, and then unfortunately does not make it. And it yeah. is depressing as shit so we are going to forego the drinking game because we are many horrible things but uh that is that is a line that we are not going to cross however you will likely need a drink to get through this book um i'm having four roses myself right now uh but uh mr adam what is the cocktail yeah so this one is called uh the lonely road uh it's uh two ounces of vodka two one ounce of lime juice one ounce of vanilla syrup you can just use like one of the syrups you have flavor your coffee with it says a splash of egg white and i'm not sure how you do a splash of egg white but you figure that out and then a good dash of orange bitters so this is a little bit different because you're going to put it into a shaker and you're going to dry shake it first so what that means is you normal shaker thing no ice because when you shake it up really good it's going to froth the egg white then you're going to fill it with ice and shake it again that will allow it to get cold and dilute it a little bit uh, and then you strain into a cocktail glass and you garnish with uh, a little lime wheel. That sounds Canadian. It does sound a bit Canadian. Well, let's jump in on, I mean, mainly what we're talking about here as far as this goes is going to be the art. Because, um, I mean, a lot of the, basically there's only like, what, two written words in this whole thing? Or a couple of like actual lines of dialogue. Almost the rest of it is is lyrics to the various different songs that this uh, book is attached to. Um, also, useless fact I'll throw out there is that this book is sized so that it will fit in your record collection with your other records. So that if you were to buy this album on uh, vinyl, it would uh, flip in there. And I mean, and, and knowing that it is a, a hipster singer, then of course you're going to buy this on vinyl uh, to get the full uh, experience. Of but, well, it's uh, also considered a concept album, so it's like right up there with. Oh wow! As well. So okay, so it's hip and a concept album mm-hmm. okay um anyway so yeah my i mean let's uh todd you uh, seem to always be our uh, our most uh, vocal critic on art uh what are your thoughts man did it feel lonely and cold yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so what was really interesting is that everything else there was just a few splashes of color here and there and it was really evocative of uh, memories or what he would like to be memories maybe mm-hmm of where he was going back home. This book, even with the 
just by watching the art alone, it was very reminiscent of The Giver. Oh, okay. For me. Yeah, okay. So you've got a world that's in black and white, and this one guy is seeing in color, and he starts to see it. And then, I mean, spoilers for The Giver, but as the character goes off to the end, he dies where he uh, has hypothermia. And then he sees, like, oh, look, there's a little um, house where I can go in and have a nice dinner and everything else to that effect. So this very much felt like an, um, The Giver was a great parallel to this book. But the um, the art was very expressive. Yeah. And I'll really give him that. I mean, he did Underwater Welder as well. I mean, as um, technique, it was fine. It was nothing super detailed, but it was incredibly expressive. And it felt lonely and cold Mm -hmm. and it also though the rhythm of it was great Mm -hmm. yeah i really enjoyed the rhythm of the panels and how they flowed and did that sort of thing so yeah yeah and i think um because i I love jeff lemire's work but i would say that he has a certain level of what i would call primitivism sort of to his art um i think the same thing about uh matt kent but as far as lemire's typical art i think this is probably the most refined of his art that I've, i've seen in any books um sure I think this is sort of where he's obviously put in the most time. And I think part of that probably may have something to do with um, a respect for the subject matter, or it might have something to do with the fact that he's not writing. So he's fully concentrating on just the art, or it might just be the perfect blend of an artist to subject matter. Um, and it might be a combination of all those, but that, that's sort of my, my thought as far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, the giver is a really good uh, connection, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, Lana, what are your thoughts? It's very short, obviously, because it's, it's, music all Mm -hmm. the all the dialogue really is is the songs and i really really liked it It, it's funny that you bring that you talk about the giver all i kept thinking about because he was on the the railroad like the train tracks was stand by me for oh okay Mm -hmm. Um, and so and and yeah i haven't seen that movie in in literally in years but um I got really intrigued once I finished reading it because I wanted to listen. I listened to the, the music. I went onto the website and watched the um, animated kind of um, version of everything with the, with the songs. And because it is right up my alley when it comes to music, <laughs> I, um, I listened to it and it was wonderful, but I got, I dived into a huge hole um, on on the, the boy that it was based on mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that his name is Chani Wenjak. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. It was only in 1966, yeah. which kind of killed me when I saw the timeline of everything and the other piece with this. And I, I want to point this out was all of the proceeds for the album and the book um, are being donated to University of, and I have no idea how to say this, Man- Manitoba? Yeah, I think it's Manitoba. Manitoba's yeah. National Center for Truth and Reconciliation Project. So um, not every, you know, Gord actually has a, um, before he died, had, had started a foundation that was his and Chani's name. And it was like, so I, I the book, was very quick to get through uh, when you're reading it. And even the, um, the animated version of everything is only, I think like maybe an hour. I think it's like 45 mm-hmm. minutes. So um, it's not long. And so I spent 
more time than I think I've ever spent on any of these, these <laughs> comic books, looking up information about the artists and about the writer and, um, and about the person that it was based on and all of the information around it and wanting to learn more about, about the songwriter because it was just, there's, there isn't a lot to critique about the story, but it evokes such an emotion that it makes you want to learn more. At least for me, I, I went through, I read it and, um, within about, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And then I put on the album and started just like researching all kinds of stuff about, <laughs> about, um, about Gord and, and Channing. So I just, I, you know, I thought that was probably the, hopefully that's what they want people to do. Cause it, it opens your eyes pretty quickly when you realize it's based on a true story and it's, it's heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking, but the, it evokes such emotion that you just, I couldn't, I couldn't just read it and then put it down and, and leave it. I wanted oh, absolutely, to know, yeah. I wanted to know more. So, so yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. Adam, what are your thoughts? So it's kind of funny because both Todd and Lena have kind of already said what I was thinking, but the one thing that really stuck out was, as Todd said, the artwork, like there's only one, maybe two words in the entire book. The songs are on every couple of pages. You get the song that was written about it, but uh, yeah, it, it makes you feel lonely reading it. Like I was mm-hmm. in a room with two other people and I felt like I was all alone. Uh, the way they, every single hue is blue unless he's, it's a flashback to uh, him with his family or something else, or at the end when he dies, kind of being able to be reunited. But it, uh, despite having almost no words, the artwork itself, you don't need words. Mm-mm. You're getting the emotion. Right. You're getting what people are thinking. You're, uh, you're, you're seeing their memories from their point of view and it doesn't need narration. It doesn't need, that, and I think, honestly, if it had that overlay, it would probably detract from the story because we don't need this internal monologue when you can see very specifically how the person's feeling based off the look on their face, the hopelessness of, you know, when he gets the seven matches and the last one goes out or he makes the fire and starts seeing things. Oh, that part killed yeah. me. Everything in it is very, very evocative. Uh, and again, though, those emotions are so strong that it's, you, you feel like you're there. You feel like you can hear an echo behind you because you've got the, the raven calling in the wind kind of thing. Um, and then going back to what Lena was saying about being a true story was I, I didn't do quite as much research as you did. That's why I was excited you when you texted us that. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> Someone who put more work into it than I did. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the, the really big things that we're also kind of seeing here in the U.S. is that you know there's all these histories and these stories of the past that we don't know about. And in fact, it even specifically says on the back of the book that history will be rewritten because history is written by the victors. Mm-hmm. And we think of Canada as this really kind of progressive, well, for the most part, progressive place. I mean, they legalize weed, they allow same-sex marriage, they've got you know, health benefits. This was half a century ago. And that mm-hmm. doesn't sound, that can kind of sound big in that, with that word. But I mean, most of our parents are older than that. You know, mm-hmm. some of us in 15 years are going to be older than that. I it's resemble that. Not, <laughs> yes. Hey, I, I turned 40 this year. That's I, I'm part of that group too. Uh, but it just makes me think about, you know, here in the U.S., like no one knew about the massacre at Black Wall Street at Tulsa before Watchmen, mm-hmm. the TV series and HBO. Like a friend of ours, his wife grew up in Tulsa, went to school there, mm-hmm. and she learned about it from this TV show. 
because we want to cover up these warts and these gross things that we have in the past because, oh, it won't make us look good. But the whole thing about if you forget the past, you're doomed to repeat it, it's, it's happening now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, this whole thing was, you know, we're, we're tearing these children away from their families, trying to westernize them, this and that. Uh, that's happened across the world throughout history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not unique to Canada, but, you know, we, we can look back and be like, oh, they were so horrible for doing that when we're doing the same thing. And, uh, I, again, I don't know how much of this on the school were based on a true story, but it, did it seem to you that there was sexual abuse going on in the school? I was actually, I think that's implied, yes, yeah. from the, the yeah. priest is what, what's oh. implied there, yes. Yeah, and that, that reminds me when I was uh, one of my first therapist appointments with my new therapist. We were talking about school and religion, and I was like, oh, yeah, the crazy oppressive pastor who was trying to impose a dress code at school is now in jail for a million years from Westing kids. And she just started laughing. I'm like, what? She's like, before you even said it, I knew where you were going to go with the story because that's, hello, surprise, surprise. But no, it's it's one of those things that as painful as it is to read and as much as it's not a story you really want to learn about, it's a story that's important to learn about. And uh, again, like, you know, if you go online and watch the motion comic, you know, 45 minutes of your time, I mean, you can spare that. You spend it watching cat videos on YouTube anyways. Yeah. Uh, or if, even if you don't want to read the music, the, the song lyrics, just you can get through this book in 15 minutes. But I, I would recommend spending a little bit more time doing some research and just learning. This is just one story among many. And yeah. it's true. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the other thing I would point out is like this does definitely show the power of the medium. Uh, with how much of a story you can tell without any words. I mean, and we all we all knew that there was an implication that there was sexual abuse there. There's nothing explicit there. Like, I, I panned through it real fast. Basically, it's a shot of a priest, a child being afraid of him, and, like, a shot of the, preach, the priest sort of crotch still clothed. And you sort of, like, you know with whatever that is, you know that there was something there, and that's why that, that kid was afraid. The other thing I, I was going to mention to Adam, uh, your comment about the history is written by the victors. Um, I've been like sort of doing a lot of deep dives on like little historical uh, YouTube documentaries recently, um, most of which I feel like are pretty accurate. Uh, at least the guy who does the research seems to do his research fairly well. But one of the things I realized is like even in certain circumstances, there are certain things that are negative that I have assumed about the past that aren't actually true. Like I was under the assumption that the pyramids were built by slaves and there's actually indication that they were not actually, that these people were actually fairly well taken care of and and paid and their families were there and like they were paid labors to build the pyramids. And I was like, oh, so someone somewhere along the way wanted to make the Egyptians look shitty and said, oh, well, they use slaves to build those. But, you know, in other circumstances, we hide, you know, our own faults and say oh no that wasn't this or we try to cover it up and you know it's just very interesting how yeah certain things come to light in, in various different ways well and the whole thing with the pyramids being built by slaves that just ties into the whole let my people go part of exodus oh valid point okay yeah so you're looking okay. at how religion has has changed history which again it's you look the yeah we can keep on going with that but yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's tied in it's tied into the belief of of being led out of egypt out of captivity so yeah and to be 100% fair, uh, that was not like a, you know, a short-term uh, kingdom. I mean, that went on for centuries and centuries. So, like, you know, there was... Uh, and there could have been... I'm, I would be surprised if there weren't slaves, you know. I'm sure that at some point in time there were. Uh, it's just it's just interesting to kind of put that into into context, mm-hmm. though, as well. But uh, Did anybody understand the, the raven that was, like, following him around? And, like, what that... Because there was, like, he... The, I think that's what it is. Maybe it's a crow. Yeah. Raven or a crow. I took the ravens to be a uh, death. 
And that's why I think it's because it typically is, um, at least I don't, I don't know if it's, it is in uh, indigenous cultures, but um, a lot of times it's sort of a representation of, of death um, in like Western cultures um, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So I, I, that's sort of, the, I got the same thing out of it that Todd did. Um, is sort of like it was this implication of death and it, and it also had like a natural sense to it. I think that um, uh, the Ravens are also sort of known to be guides to the spirit world, if I remember correctly. And so I think that was part of what plays into it. Cause I think if it was like um, a vultures wouldn't be right for that, t- that area of the country, but also would be like a little too on the nose, but like uh, the useless fact for all of you, Disney nerds um, listening to this is that the original narrator for the haunted mansion was supposed to be um, a Raven as they went through there. And so every time there is a uh, voiceover in the room that you're at, you will see that there's a raven. They never got them synced up properly, but they still have the ravens in all the different rooms. So there's like, there's one that's in the ballroom, and there's one that's on top of the chair right behind uh, Madame Leota, and there's, it's like there's these crows. Oh, there's one as you leave the um, attic and are going down into the um, graveyard, and like, and that's where like, at the very end of it, when just before you see the three hitchhiking ghosts, there's another raven right over your head, and this is, ah, there you are. Um, like, so like, that was originally supposed to be what that was. So like, it was sort of this idea that the Raven was a guide through and to the spirit world and that kind of thing. And I think that's probably partially what he's uh, invoking in that would be my guess. Todd seems to be kind of on the same page as me. Is it true the problem with those Ravens at that ride was because they kept saying nevermore, not the lines? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm glad I laughed at my joke. I thought it was clever. Here's the problem. <laughs> Todd's the only one who can do that. He is the only dad on the show. He can make that joke. You cannot make that. Joke. Are you ready for the Brian? Okay. okay. Ravens and crows are both black birds. A raven has three pinions and a crow has four. Um, that's part of the wing. Okay. So the difference between a raven and a crow is a matter of opinion. Oh my god! At least mine made Lena laugh. I can see that in the video. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've looked up at this camera, at this screen, and just seen Lena shaking her head back and forth, just so disappointed in all of us. <laughs> like all oh, these idiots. I still love you all, but I know. Oh my gosh, we're just gonna have <laughs> to give kind of an amazing. <laughs> we're just gonna have to give Lena control of the shame bell. <laughs> we might have to actually. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. We, I don't know if we'd ever get anything done. It would just be nothing but shame bells everywhere. I Does feel they... happy. <laughs> uh, anybody else have anything else they want to bring up? Oh, that's really what it is. I mean, Jeff Lemire is known to be a writer, but don't discount his art, I guess, is really what this book shows. And, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Jeff Lemire fan. I will drool over his work all day, every day. So You know, it's you really talk good. about evoking emotion without any words, and yeah. it just reminds me of the first five minutes of Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You just, you watch these two people grow up and get married and you, you see that like them live this whole life and then you're devastated. You're like bawling within the first five minutes of this movie because you're like, and they never said anything. Mm -hmm. Right. The whole premise of what you, what you get their entire life together, you totally understand where they're coming from and it's five minutes and you're devastated. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. just that, you know, it's, it's not unusual. It's not something that has never been done before, but it's not easy. No, absolutely it's not, not easy at all to evoke an emotion when they're, when you have no words, everything is just, especially in this case, you're getting frames of, of, yeah. of picture, you know, you're getting four pictures that, that are, that are there to evoke something. And you did a great job. It was wonderful. I mean, it, you know, 
Yeah, and, and that point actually kind of makes me think of something. I think we're thinking of Lemire strictly as a artist in this case, but like it does take a writer to be able to plot out the story in such a way that it can be told completely visually. Um, sure. And if it was easy to do that, you would see far more comics that had no words in them and were only visual. Um, but like I can think of a couple comics that have an issue that's no words. Like there's an issue of powers, and there is a single issue of um, okay. you know what I mean? Like they do it right. once and then they go, that's fucking hard because like, I, I got don't the writer. If you could sit there and say, I don't have to write any words. This is great. I don't have to write a clever dialogue. Great. But like, that is obviously a very difficult thing to do. And so I think, yeah, I think there does need to be some credit sh- shown on Lemire for more than just his art, but his ability to tell that story completely visually and, and write that out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, great. Uh, Cool. I think that's a good place to jump into grades. Uh, Lena, what, what's your grade? I give it an A+. Plus. I love it. Please buy okay. the book. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Mr. Todd? It's an A. It was, um, it did all the things uh, the best kind of comic books do. And yeah, it did it beautifully. A. Cool. Uh, Mr. Adam? Uh, I'm with Lena. I'll go with an A+. Plus. I mean, I didn't know when I got this book in the mail, because I was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> it's as big as me. Uh, no, it, it tells an amazing story that happens to be true. And not only does it evoke all those emotions we've talked about, is that it should inspire you to go learn about these things and learn about your history and look at ways we can not only uncover it, but keep us from repeating it. Um, and I'm also going to go with an A. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be the asshole who talks down about this. Also, it's like my favorite artist. So, you know. I, I gotta, I gotta send a lot of love its way. Uh, fantastic! I don't know which book we're gonna do next week, but we're gonna do another book next week. Thank you so much for listening, and thank everybody for uh, being on the show. Um, Todd, good luck at the game tonight. Um, thank you, Lena. Good luck on the drive and the the move and all that stuff. And uh, Adam, you just stay as pretty as you always are. Aww. Uh Thanks everybody, and we will talk to you all later. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.